Amen. Yeah, all right. Well, I was going to ask you how you're doing, but you just answered my question. So go ahead. You can be seated. Good morning and welcome. I want to welcome those of you that are joining us online as well. We're so glad that you are and trust that you'll be blessed that you did. So before we begin, I'd like to update you on what I'm affectionately referring to as the three C's, container, car, and care, as it relates to our, that's pretty good, yeah? Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, I did come up with that myself. So um, of course, this is for our Maui Ohana, and I'll start with containers. And this is an update from Brother Mike Lau. Aloha, Pastor J.D. I spoke to, oh, by the way, I want to do this again, this service, first service. I wanted just to give a shout out to all the stevedores, the longshoremen uh, there on the waterfront. You guys are amazing. Yeah. These are uh, guys that love the Lord and have a heart for the Lord, and uh, God is using them in a mighty way. So uh, Mike uh, just has been keeping me apprised. He said, I spoke to a supervisor here in Honolulu today, and out of the 50 containers, 43 are on Maui already. Distribution is still continuing, and God has been so faithful in allowing all the goods to successfully get to the people in need. Praise the Lord for that. Most of them were 40-foot containers, and a small portion are 20-foot containers. We have another six or seven 40-foot containers left here in Honolulu, and we will ship them when supplies are low or diminished. As of now, the immediate needs have been met, and monetary donations seems to be the greatest need right now, which is exactly what we're doing, by the way, is financial needs. The immediate financial needs are being met, and we're doing that in concert with everything else that we're doing. So from container to car, we are moving forward. However, um, I have to be very prudent. Uh, in the information that I provide, because once again, <laughs> there are bureaucratic obstacles for which we would covet your prayers. And that brings me to care. Speaking of coveting prayer with this photo of Perry and Lori Allen. So Pastor Steve Santos connected me with Perry. He is here on Oahu. Uh, his wife, Lori, is at Straub Medical Center in the burn unit with over 70% of her body burned. Uh, this after she barely escaped from her car, pictured here, which was engulfed in the flames. She was flown to Oahu from Maui, and it is absolutely a miracle that she's even still alive. So uh, he's here, um, and we as a church are helping with finances and food. We are providing financial help and food. Uh, if you're interested in helping with meals, we have flyers at the information area out front that you can pick up. It has on there a link to their meal train schedule. He has a, a place in town that's close in proximity to Straub. And if you would like to help out with meals, you can get that link uh, there at the information area. It's also there on the screen. Last but certainly not least, we're planning, Lord willing, and if we're still here, to have Pastor Steve Santos with us this Thursday, September 21st. I spoke with him yesterday, and as of now, it's a go. So he will be here, Lord willing, and if we're still here. <laughs> but uh, so here's the drill. Thursday night, we're going to start. Now note the start time, especially for those of you online. We're going to start not at 7.30 p.m. Hawaii time, uh, after the worship, but right at 7 p.m. Hawaii time. So I want him to be able to share, and we need 
as much of that hour and a half as we can get for him to share. So it'll just be uh, Pastor Steve and myself up here. And I just want him to share with you uh, what God is doing. And uh, they're on Maui for the people of Maui. And just to kind of give you an idea of uh, just the many miracles and kind of where they're at and uh, all that's happened and how God, as only He can and always is, is faithful and has just done miracle after miracle. So really looking forward to having uh, Steve here Thursday. Uh, he has to come because I, I have not prepared the Ezekiel Bible study for Thursday. So if something happens, uh, still come and we'll just have um, testimony night and we'll just figure something out. I don't know. Uh, okay. First John chapter five. First five verses is our text today as we start this chapter, the last chapter of his first epistle. I'll ask you to stand if you're able. If not, where you're seated is fine. You can follow along as I read. The Apostle John continues writing verse 1, by the Spirit says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out His commandments. This is love for God, verse 3, to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You see why we're only taking the first five verses? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so, so, so much for your word. This portion that we have here before us today, here in your word. This is life, the word of life. This is the bread of life. And Lord, we, we come to you hungry and thirsty, knowing that only you can satiate that hunger and that thirst that we have. So Lord, we want to eat. We want to feed. So will you feed us, Lord, the bread of life, your word, O oh God? Minister to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So I need to start out this way because today's teaching is similar in some way to last week's teaching, which was about God not being angry with us, such that I now have new marching orders, as it were. I shared with you last week that I had orders. I had my orders. <laughs> so I have new orders now. And it's as it relates to when we're just beat down. I have a new order to fill. And the order is that of being both encouraging and uplifting. Do you need to be encouraged today? Do you feel pretty beat down? Bus up, is that better? Bus up. Maybe I should have titled it when you're bus up. Wait, is it bus up? But I did that right, right? Eric, bus up, right? Bus up. Oh, gotta put some. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying. I'm trying. Come on, I'm an Arab. I'm trying to speak pigeon, okay? All right. Well, we're off to a great start, right? So that's the order that I'm going to fill. And in order to fill this order, 
to encourage and uplift, I've mined three nuggets of truth from our text. But, and there is a but here, and hear me out. Um, they're not what you think. Uh, and actually, they're not even what you would want them to be when you're beat down or bust up. Okay? In other words, <laughs> what John is inspired to write here is for those who are beat down and discouraged, and that discouragement is giving way to despair. And what John is going to do is rise from the pages of our text and show us what it is that we can do when we're just beat down. And again, it's not what you would think, starting with the first one in verses 1 and 2. Love God and others. So what John writes right at the start is where it starts. By virtue of what ensues, when we love God and love others, which is this, we get our eyes off self and on Him. Doubtless you've heard it said that when your eyes are on self, you're depressed. When your eyes are on others, you're distressed. But when your eyes are on the Lord, you're blessed. I know it's dorky, but it's true, isn't it? And that's why John writes what John writes. Yeah, you're, you're beat down, you're, you're down, and you're discouraged, and you're starting to now turn inward. And dare I say, I know none of you would do this. Feel sorry for yourself. You know how it is when you throw yourself a pity party and nobody shows up, which makes you even feel more sorry for yourself. But see, your eyes are on self. And a lot of times, and by the way, I mean no disrespect to those in the field, but you know, the, they say, well, you need to just kind of look within. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, you know, you just got to follow your heart. Don't do that. <laughs> Ask Jeremiah about that. The heart is deceitfully wicked. It is beyond knowing, beyond repair. Who can know it? It's hopeless. Yeah, they have a good heart. No, they don't. Follow your heart. No, you shouldn't. Look within. That's your problem. Nobody knows. <laughs> Get your eyes off yourself. And what will ensue is you won't feel sorry for yourself, because now your eyes are on the Lord. And by the way, uh, you know what is roommates with self-pity? Wait for it. Self-love. Okay, come on. No, am I right? We don't die to self because we love self so much. So what comes packaged with or is roommates with self-love is self-pity. Nobody loves me like I love me. That's at the core of it. So does that make sense? Wouldn't it stand to reason that John, inspired by the Spirit, would say, no, uh, instead of self-love, love God and others. And by doing that, the result will be that you will love the Father and the Son as well, which in turn gives us a love for each other as well. I've heard it said like this, you can't love God and not love God's people. Did you catch that? 
In fact, we just got done hearing John write that and talk about that, right? How can you say you love God and then hate your brother? You lie, you lie. That's the JDV, you lie. You're a liar. That's just what John said. It's the Bible. I just, I'm not calling you a liar. God is. So you can't, because you lie. So here's how it works, right? So when we love the Lord and others, we, if I can say it like this, for lack of a better way of saying it, by default, fulfill the commandments. Right? It's, uh, it's the greatest commandment. And, and by loving God and loving your neighbor, you fulfill the commandments. Because the first five are by default fulfilled. If you love God, you'll never have any other gods before him. If you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, body at all, you love him that much, you won't make for yourself any idol or image and replace God with it. You'll never blaspheme him or take his name in vain or profane his name. And you can go on to loving your neighbor as yourself. The second five commandments are, I mean, by default. If, if I love you, I'm not going to covet what you have. If I love you, I'm not going to murder. I'm not going to steal. I, I'm not going to commit adultery. I mean, by default, they're fulfilled, summed up in a word by love. And is this not what Jesus said, John's Gospel, chapter 14? Let me begin reading in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Um, I'm scarred for life with this verse. Let me explain why. My mom used to quote this verse. Actually, she misquoted it with her thick accent. And she would hit a certain tone and note, an octave actually. You know, and that was it. Man, I just, I didn't hear anything else after that. I was just, you know, that was it. But she would say to me, you don't love me. No, I love you, mom. No, if you love me, you would obey me. I'm like, I don't obey you. <laughs> And she would, this was her scripture uh, uh, supporting that, but that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, if you love me, you'd obey me. No, he's saying it like this. If you love me, by default, you're going to obey my commandments. That's going to be the the, the natural, maybe better said, supernatural expression of your love for me will be your obedience to me. And he goes on, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. See, he's just got done. He's going to mention it again. I have to go. No, don't go. No, you want me to go. Because I have to go, because if I don't go, I can't send you the Holy Spirit to live in you. See, you've had God the Son with you, but you're no longer going to have God the Son with you. You're going to have God the Holy Spirit in you. Oh, actually, that's even better. Because see, Jesus is leaving, and they only had Jesus with them. Now I've got God, the Holy Spirit, not just with me, but in me. The Spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. 
a little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. We will? Yeah, because I live. You will live also. At that day, verse 20, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And here it is again, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So this is going to be germane to our understanding of the second one, which is the last thing you would think when you're beat down. An obedient life is a blessed life. And that works the other way too. A disobedient life is not a blessed life. So they're so interconnected. Love and obedience. You cannot separate them. It's like trying to separate, oh boy, this is, I hope this works. Um, noodles from Simon? You can't, right? Okay, that was close. <laughs> Are we good? Yeah, I go where angels, local angels, fare to tread. So you can't, they're, they're inseparable. They, uh, the one goes with the other. In fact, in, in a way they're synonymous in terms. Show me somebody that loves God, I'll show you somebody that obeys God. And conversely, show me somebody that obeys God, I'll show you somebody that loves God. Because if you love Him, you're going to obey Him. Okay, Pastor, you told me that uh, this was for those who were just beat down. How does this encourage me? Because He lifts you up, and He blesses you. He loves you. And when you reciprocate with a love for Him and others, they're going to obey and fulfill His commands which then means your life is going to be blessed. And God wants us to be blessed. You think, how do you feel as a parent, even a grandparent, when one of your children is downcast? It's been said, rightly, that you're only as happy as your saddest child. How much more for our Heavenly Father? when He sees us beat down, downcast, discouraged? No. If you get your eyes off yourself, and your eyes on the Lord, and your love for the Lord, and your love for others, this is what will happen, and always ensues as a result. Obedience, blessing, and that's our second one in verse 3. When you're beat down, <laughs> not what you would think, right? Obey His commands. Now, I really need for you to bear with me here, okay? Because we're going to hit something that can really be a game changer, a life changer. And I don't mean that. That's not hyperbole. That's literally. This can change everything in yours and my Christian life, if we would but understand this truth. This is one of those principles that you don't break. It breaks you if you go up against it. Uh, note that John says by the Spirit, the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. Why do you emphasize that? Because here I am, I'm just beat down, and now you're going to heap on the commandments of God that I have to obey. I mean, that, that's what you call kicking a man when he's down. You're going to put that on me now? No. 
This isn't an added burden, because the commands of God are not burdensome. See, the commands are given to us because they're what's best for us. Now stay with me. Every single one of the commandments, let's just take the Ten Commandments as one aptly called them the Tender Commandments. They are given to us to obey for us, because God has our best interests at heart. Every single one of those commands are in our best interest. Every single one of them. So I, I, I always uh, tremble in fear of the Lord when I say this, because yeah, God's problem, which God doesn't have problems, that's what I tremble when I say it. But is there a better way to say it? I mean, our problem is that, <laughs> that's better, our problem is that God um, wants us to walk in obedience so that we'll have the fullness of a blessed life as His children. So He wants to spare us of needless suffering and pain of the consequences of disobedience. Thou shalt not commit adultery because it'll destroy your life and your children's lives and the many other lives. And it will ruin your life. Your life will never be the same again. Thou shalt not covet. It will eat you up from the inside out. Is never imagine, I want to uh, be careful in, in, in how I illustrate this, but never imagine that God is saying, Thou shalt not, because I'm God and I said so. Okay, I better obey. No, it's more like this. Um, I love you so much, and I don't want you to do that because I can't stand to see you suffer needlessly the consequences that will ensue if you disobey me. These commands that you obey are not a burden, they're a blessing. You want a blessed life. This is a blessed life, an obedient life. I mean, you're already beat down. How are you going to get lifted up? Well, you're telling me I need to be obedient to His commands. Well, it's a get to, not a got to. And I'll explain how I get there. It's a get to. We get to and are empowered to obey His commands. We've talked about this, right? God will never command us to do anything without also empowering us to obey the command that He's commanded us. He can't, because if He did that, He would be party to our disobedience, and that's impossible. Did you get that? So God is always going to create an environment in my Christian life that is conducive to my obedience. He's never going to set me up for a fall. He can't do that. That's impossible. That's not who God is. So here comes the command. And this is why it is that we want it to be a command. We want it to rise to the level of a command, because if it's a command, then what comes packaged with the command is the Holy Spirit in me. So how is it a get to and not a got to? Because the Holy Spirit in me empowers me to obey the command that God has given to me. Because keep in mind, if the Holy Spirit is in us, think about this, the Holy Spirit is part of every conversation that we have. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you're in a conversation and you just feel like afterwards you need to take a shower. It was that bad. You know what I'm talking about, right? The Holy Spirit's grieved, by the way. 
And I would even venture to say quenched. Because the Holy Spirit's watching everything you're watching. The Holy Spirit is hearing every conversation you're having. The Holy Spirit is seeing whatever you're seeing. And, and the Holy Spirit's in you. So have a nice afternoon. <laughs> no, I said, but that does, does that, uh, that's very convicting, isn't it? As well it should be. So, but it works both ways again, because if I have the Holy Spirit in me convicting me, so too do I have the Holy Spirit in me empowering me. Empowering me to do what? To be obedient, which is in my best interest, to His commands. Because again, God's never going to command me to do anything that He's not going to also enable me to do. I know I'm repeating myself, but I don't feel like I have permission to move any further, which you want me to, I know, as you look at your watch, until I know that you understand. Because again, this is going to be so germane. I don't want any of us to leave here today without understanding and fully grasping what's before us today, because this can change your Christian life forever. And it will never be the same. It will change the whole relationship that you have with the Lord. An obedient life is a blessed life. And by the way, an obedient life is a joyful life. A disobedient life is a miserable life. You know what's harder than obedience? Disobedience. Because sin is its own reward. And, and it's a, again, a loving, tender, heavenly Father that says, my child, my son, my daughter, my beloved, I love you so much. I, I don't want you to suffer the consequences of disobedience. We had a saying back in the day when I was um, in, in the business world, it went like this. The bitterness of poor quality lingers long after the sweetness of a low price. Okay, you're looking at me like, how in the world does that tie into what you're talking about? I'll tell you how it ties in. And the Word of God bears it out, especially in the Proverbs, that sin might be pleasurable for a season, but the bitterness of sin's consequences linger on long after the sweetness of the momentary pleasure of sin. And this is what God wants us to avoid, because He loves us. I, I don't want you to have to suffer those consequences. I've given you everything you need, the Holy Spirit indwelling you to obey me, because obedience is a blessed life. And these commandments that I'm commanding you to obey are not a burden. They're a blessing, every single one of them. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, this is, oh, I love this passage. There's so much here in verses 28 through 30. Jesus is speaking, and just the whole context in which He says this is so powerful. You can almost hear the pleading in His voice. At least I hope you can. Come to Me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, you're beat down, you're burdened. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Now, verse 29 is interesting. We, we miss it in our day and age, because this was a, a gregarian culture, agriculture, farming. They would yoke two animals to pull the plow. And if you had an unequal yoke, the weaker animal would literally be killed in an unequal yoke, because you got two animals yoked together with the uh, plow. So that's the, that, that kind of 
fills in a blank when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know how else to say it, but I think we've been duped. How many of us will buy the lie that we come under this great weight in obeying the Lord? Ah, Maybe it, it sounds more like this. This might sound a little bit more familiar. Oh man, you Christians, you pure and holy Christians, you guys don't have any fun. Oh really? Oh, uh, by the way, it's all in the advertising, uh, so, just so we're clear. The, it, it, the, these people, I know this firsthand, being in the uh, car business, I'm going to be careful here too. But uh, you know, uh, when I was uh, in the car business, uh, new cars, uh, the new car dealer invoice, they would always have an advertising fee per unit, per car. Now, this was not a small dollar amount. Now, it's not comparable to today's dollar amount. This is many years ago. But uh, what was that for? Oh, you're, you have to pay the manufacturer because they're the ones putting those ads on the television and internet with the most beautiful people you've ever seen in your life, with the biggest smile on their faces that you've ever seen in your life, happier than anyone you've ever seen in your life in that brand new car. Oh, and the new car smell? Hate to break it to you. It's plastic. Just go get a can of plastic spray and just get a new car smell. What are they doing? Oh, if, if you have this, you'll be blessed and happy and full of joy. Have a big smile on your face and it works. Otherwise they wouldn't pay $580,000 per second for an advertisement during the Super Bowl, by the way. No, think about it. Why do, you think, why do you think all of those social media platforms are free? Because of advertising. They're making billions of dollars. Advertising. It might work. You think? So how does that tie in? I'll get there. Just I'm taking you on the scenic route again. Just be patient. So here, here's, here's how it works. The Christian life there, there's, no, there's no advertisements showing those same people getting a divorce because they can't make the car payments on that new car they bought that just got repossessed, cost them their marriage. Oh, how, can we talk about the beer commercials? Dare I talk about beer commercials? Is that okay? Am I going to stumble anyone? Oh my goodness. I mean, forget the, everything they use to sell the beer. We know about that. But um, I mean, they, 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 you'll never see them the next day. <laughs> you got it, right? I mean, they're thrown up in the toilet and they're sick and they're hungover. Why don't you put that ad up? I'm, I'm almost there. Just bear with me. The Christian life is uh, false advertising as far as the world's concerned. Because think about it. <laughs> the ad for a blessed and obedient Christian life walking uprightly pure and holy. It, isn't it sad when being pure and holy is bad? Oh, you're so pure and holy. I'm like, oh, but I think that's a good thing. You make it sound like it's a bad thing. 
Oh, no, it is to them. You know why, right? Because they get convicted. Because when, when, you, when you're Jesus to someone, for someone, they're getting convicted. Because they're, and, and they'll say that to you because it's an exp- out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. In fact, there are scriptures about this. You know, they're, they're just astonished that you're not partying with them anymore. And I don't know about you, but you're probably like me. When I first got saved, everybody thought, ah, oh, it's just a phase he's going through. No, I'm, I'm, Jesus is real. My theology when I was first saved, this was my theology. Three words, Jesus is real. Jesus is really real. So I started to expand my theology. <laughs> I was so on fire for law. No, it's just a phase he's going through. Must kind of a long phase, been going for over 40 years now. Oh, come on. I even had true story. Should I? Yeah. Okay. True story. So I was a, I'm not proud of this. And I, but I was just, I was a drug dealer. I was just a bad dude, man. And so I get saved. I move out. And I get an apartment by myself, and all of my party friends and drug friends start showing up at my door. And one guy in particular had uh, a uh, joint, you know what I mean? Uh, a doobie. What, what, do, what do I call him? <laughs> Listen, I'm rusty. It's been over 40 years. A marijuana rolled cigarette. I don't know. He brought me weed, man, and it was rolled up, okay? And he says, here. (laughs) He was testing me. I said, just get thee behind me, Satan. No, I have no desire. Behold, all things have passed away. I'm a new creation in Christ. I have no interest in that. I have Jesus. I don't need that. He's like, come on, very persistent (laughs) former friend. But uh, so then they leave. You know what he does? He hides it in a drawer, knowing I'd find it. Sure enough, after they're gone, I open the drawer and, and there's Satan right there going, do you see this? Oh, it's just, just this once. (laughs) Okay, that's enough of that. Emphasis added. And I looked at that thing, I thought, no. And it wasn't, I wasn't white knuckling it like, no, it was like, (laughs) flush it down the toilet. There was no burden at all. This was not a temptation at all. There was no, I was, I obeyed the Lord and I did not do it. And it wasn't a burdensome thing. In fact, it was a joyous thing. And I couldn't wait to call him. No, actually he called me. No, no, wait, it gets better. He calls me. He's going, Hey, I was like, what? He said, well, you know what? I said, yeah. I flushed it down the toilet. No, you did? Why don't you give it back to me? No, you bring me more. I'll flush it down the toilet too. It even gets better. Wait, it gets better. He gets saved years later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God is good. God's got a sense of humor too. So what was my point? Um, Let's see. It was that it was easy. It wasn't a burden. It was a get-to, not a got-to. Commands of the Lord aren't burdensome. And how blessed was I in my obedience to Him. Now I think we can move on to the third and final one. Some of you are saying, thank you, Jesus. Verses four and five. Now, <laughs> overcome the world. Really? 
I'm beat down, and you're saying, overcome the world. Okay, I'll schedule it for tomorrow then. Just, just overcome the world, really? I mean, isn't that a firm grasp of the obvious? Well, not so fast. Let's take a closer look. There's more to this. Because John has just got done writing what he wrote, and now he's saying, overcome the world. In fact, he even couches it in a rhetorical question. Who is it that overcomes the world? Question mark. Only he who loves God. Wait, that was the first part of what you just said. I didn't say it, John did. Don't put that on me. I'm just the mouthpiece, and what a mouth I have to be a mouthpiece. So wait a minute, So I'm, I'm starting to see a pattern here. Good. Because here's how it works. Love equals obedience equals victory. An obedient life is a victorious life. A disobedient life is a defeated life. And like our loving Heavenly Father wants us to walk around in defeat, with our heads down, beat down. No. Overcome the world. How? By believing in me and your love for me. In other words, as a believer in Jesus and a follower of Jesus and a lover of Jesus, I'm already victorious. I've already overcome the world because I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. And as one again so aptly said, we don't work for victory. We work from victory. We've already been given the victory. We're already victorious. You've already overcome. So overcome. Can I say it like this? You've already overcome the world. You're already victorious. Why don't you act like it? Huh? I think, talk about advertisement for Jesus. I think we're, we talked about Thursday night. I, I'll never forget this. I hate it. It's good, but I hate it. Is that okay? I heard a great teaching and the pastor said, I think sometimes we as Christians are bad advertisement for Jesus. This was Thursday, right? Not last Sunday, because I don't remember what I taught last Sunday. Do you? Anyway, that is so true. It was Thursday, because we're talking about people watch our lives. You know, like Paul said, we're living epistles, we're living letters. People read the letter of our Christian lives. I think we're bad advertisement. <laughs> here's, here's an illustration. It's all too real. I'll, I'll take one for the team, use myself as an example. Here's JD, right? Walking around, my head's down, I'm beat down, bus up, all discouraged, all down. Somebody comes up to me, well, what's going on? What happened? <laughs> Woe is me. And you wonder why they don't want to go to church with you? You know, you wonder why it is that whenever you invite, that it presupposes you invite them to church. I mean, you want to share the Lord with them. Look at you. I got problems of my own. You, you, man, that, that'll send me over the edge. If, I, if, if, if you're what a Christian is, I'm good. You get to tell me you got that. Just go, yes, I got that. I got that. We're overcomers. We're victorious. Listen to Jesus. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will, I wish you didn't say will, have tribulation. Trials, troubles, problems, hardship. I wish you would have said in this world is a possibility 
that you might, you know, by chance encounter some, you know, difficulty. No, you will have tribulation, but cheer up, look up, be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. And wait, if you're in me and I've overcome the world, doesn't that mean that you've overcome the world too? Because you're in me and I'm in you by way of the Holy Spirit and I have overcome the world. You've overcome the world too. Start living like it. Start living like it. Now this is dangerous territory and I think it's uh, unfortunate that pastors like myself have to be really careful when we talk about this because of the false teaching known as the word faith movement. You know, the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. God wants everybody to be victorious, healthy, wealthy, and wise, and prosperous, and have a jet. <laughs> did, I did I take it too far? <laughs> One more, and drive a Mercedes Benz. Now we, there's somebody that has $10,000 seed money. To, you know the prosperity gospel? So I get up here and I talk about living victorious and overcoming the world and being more than a conqueror, which we're going to talk about next. And that God wants you to walk in victory. And what comes to mind? The false teachings which sadly have marred the truth of God's Word. And so pastors like me, and I'm guilty of it, we, we, we just, we get right up to the edge because we don't want to, you know, get too close because then we're going to be lumped in and categorized with those false teachers. And I think who loses in that is us. And here's why. God does want to bless us. God does want to prosper us. God does want to heal us. And God does want for us to walk in victory. It's ours for the taking. But we don't avail ourselves of it. And that is a Christian to be pitied, because you've already been given the victory. And you're not walking in the victory. You've already been given the Holy Spirit to walk in obedience, but you're not walking in obedience. And you, by the way, this, this pure and holy thing, can I, can I just give you maybe a different perspective on holy? When God says, be holy, like I am holy, what comes to your mind? The robe, Om, right? <laughs> no. To be holy is to be whole, not half, not three quarters. I mean, as a fallen father and mother and parent, do we not want our children to be prospered and blessed? How much more our Heavenly Father? Here they've been given so much, and they've availed themselves of so little. Wouldn't that break your heart? How much more the heart of God? What I did for you, I died for you, what I gave to you, and you don't avail yourself of it? One last thing, and I, I'm going to close because I'm getting really convicted here, but I just picture in my mind's eye, my God-given imagination, by the way. God's given us an incredible imagination. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. I imagine, image, imagine in my mind, God in heaven, not distant. And he's just waiting there with everything I need for the asking. And I don't ask. 
And like James says, I have not because I ask not. And my, my, my loving Heavenly Father who loves me so much and wants what's best for me, has everything for me. And He just waits for me to ask Him. I know I humorously illustrated it with the prayer example. You know, we, we, we pray so small to a God who is so big. We, we pray so low to a God who is most high. Here we have God who, as Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 8, which we're going to look at a different verse in chapter 8, an amazing chapter, chapter 8. And, and Paul asks really sincerely the question of, if God was willing to give you His only begotten Son, and He would not withhold His only begotten Son, is there anything He would withhold from you? I mean, God gave you His only begotten Son. Is there anything He won't give you? He's waiting there at the ready. Just come to me. Ask of me anything according to my will. And if it brings glory to the Father, I'm going to give it to you. Why wouldn't I? Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. There's no variation or shifting of, there's no changing of His mind. If it's good, it's God, you got it, but you need to ask for it. So here we come, right? Here's God, the whole of the heavenly host at the ready. Shh, here comes JD, he's about to pray. Okay, ready? You guys ready? Gabriel, Michael. Go over here. And here comes Satan. He's going to write. They're very quiet. The heavenly hush. And I and I and I, I pray, Lord, bless this meal. And God's like, oh. Okay. Go back. I'm I'm false alarm. Thought he was going to ask me for something big like overcoming or the victory or the abundance that I have for Him. Not to blab and grab or name and claim, no. I want to give it, I've already given it to you, it's there, it's there waiting. It's there waiting. Well, I'm going to close. Thank you, Jesus. Romans eight thirty-seven. The Apostle Paul, I mean, this just seals the deal, if I can say it like that. He writes, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. And I want you to pay particular attention to what he says next. Through Him who loved us. Did you catch that? Okay, so I'm not just a conqueror, I'm more than a conqueror. And you want to know why? Because He loves me. That's why. He loves me so much. JD needs this. Give it to him, get it to him. And don't use FedEx, we, we got a sh faster way to get it to him. And don't use Amazon, whatever, because the shipping to Hawaii on Amazon anyway, 2024, the rapture will happen first. I digress. Uh, because He loves me so much, I am more than a conqueror. I have the victory over the world. Cheer up. You're beat down, cheer up. Yeah, I know. I know what's going on. I know every detail of what's going on. In fact, when you pray, you don't have to inform me. You know how we do those informational prayers. Lord, so on Tuesdays, God's like, I'm omnipotent, I'm omniscient, I'm omnipresent. I, I, I was there, I know. But we, we like have to inform Him and, you know, kind of apprise Him, update Him on our situation, and then ask Him. God's like, can, can we just cut 
to the chase. <laughs> I'm not going to do that again this week. Those idioms are, they have a, anyway. So get to the point. Get to the, I know what you need. Yeah, I, I do. I have everything you need. Here it is. Come to me. You're beat down, heavy laden, burdened, <laughs> loaded down with all of these cares. Cast your cares on Him, because He cares for you. He loves you. Look up. God never faults a man for despair. It's understandable. And don't, by the way, let me hasten to say, look down on a brother or sister in Christ who's really going through a hard time. Because there are those times where you are beat down, and you're grieving, and you're suffering, and you're afflicted, and you're in pain. And I think it's sad that many Christians will make those Christians feel inferior. And then they in turn never feel safe in sharing anything with anyone, because they'll be looked down on for it thought of differently because of it. God, it was Oswald Chambers, by the way, who said, God will never fault a man for despair. Yes, there are those times when you're down and discouraged, depressed even. And God knows. God knows. Get your eyes on Him, your love for Him. You're an overcomer because of Him. And what comes with that is your obedience to Him. And that's a blessed life. That's a blessed life. I hope you're encouraged and uplifted if you're down and discouraged. He's the lifter of your head. So Capono, come on up. Why don't you stand up? We'll close in prayer and song. Father in heaven, I I did my best <laughs> with the help of the Holy Spirit. But you have to take it from here now by the Holy Spirit, because there's so many truths that are so applicable to our lives. And that's a process. And unless the Holy Spirit applies it to our lives and blesses it to our hearts, then all that we've seen here today and heard in your word here today will have been for nothing. Unless you, by the Holy Spirit, begin that process of applying this to our lives. Lord, especially for those who are just, I mean, so down. Nobody but you knows how down they are and what's happening in their lives and how hard it is and how painful it is. You know. Lord, I pray that you, as the lifter of our heads, would lift us up when we're beat down. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Have your way in me. Teach me and be all that I ever need. May I worship you in spite of all I go through. Because you are worthy of all praise. I just want to worship of you. Teach me to, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, have your way in me. Teach me and be all that I am. 
May I worship you in spite of all I go through. Cause you are worthy of all praise. I just want to worship you. Teach me to, Lord, have your way in me. Well, I just want to worship you. Teach me to, Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in me. God bless you.